Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows that we do at the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you are not already, you can become a Major Spoilers patron by going over to patreon.com slash majorspoilers. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I am Matthew. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, the streets are mean ones, and some are meaner than others, so prepare to feel the existential emptiness of criminal. Plus, space archaeology, strange visitors from other worlds, speedsters of a distinctly reddish hue, and the usual excellence of elocution as the Major Spoilers crew dissects the happenings of the world of pop culture in the way that only the four of us can. We're here for the show, so draw back the curtain and cue the organist, because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 875 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. And thank you to everyone who is also checking us out, uh, maybe for the first time. Maybe this is your first show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to hear us talk about uh, Justice League Dark, uh, the Apocalypse War, if you want to hear us talk about, uh, um, what else do we talk about? Extraction. If you want to talk about uh, Star Wars, the last episodes of the Clone Wars, it's all going on in the pre-show this week at patreon.com slash spoilers. Let us, uh, how about we start this show like we always do, with some news. This week we can talk about new comic book day has been announced. The first trailer for Lovecraft Country has arrived, or Taika Waititi is directing the new Star Wars movie. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny and see where it lands. Around and round it goes, where it stops. Taika Waititi to direct a new Star Wars film. This was announced during uh, Star Wars Day, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you all. Uh, so it was announced that he would be directing a new theatrical released a Star Wars movie, which he is co-writing with 1975's uh, Christy Wilson Carnes or Cairns. I don't know how you say her last name. I think it's Carnes. Um, but they uh, they announced that. We don't know when the release date is. We don't know if it is going to be episode 10. We don't know if it's something uh, completely different. But we do know that Taika did direct that final episode of The Mandalorian and I would say that a lot of people who are directing those episodes of The Mandalorian um, probably are on a short list somewhere for Disney to direct future movies. So it really doesn't didn't come as a surprise to me that he is going to direct a Star Wars movie. Rodrigo, what is your reaction to all of this news? I mean, so if somebody told me there are not going to be any more Star Wars movies for the next 10 years, I would have been like, OK, good decision. Uh, so I, I, I'm not. You know, just chomping at the bit to see what new thing comes down from Star Wars. But I am very hopeful that they've given a project to Taika Waititi because every movie that I've seen from Taika Waititi uh, is at least sort of like a complete movie. Yeah. <laughs> which I feel like a lot of the recent Star Wars stuff hasn't been. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, there's, you know, I think this is someone who does humor well, who does action well, and who, uh, you know, we've seen do Marvel movies as well. So we know that they uh, that he does special effects well as well. Mm -hmm. So that's all Star Wars stuff. And I'm, I'm, you know, it's like this seems like a very competent choice yeah. at the very least. Yeah, we know that Deborah Chow, who also directed uh, Mandalorian, she is in charge of the supposed Obi-Wan Kenobi series that's been announced. She is the director on that. So I think Mandalorian was a test bed. 
for all the next Star Wars projects. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Ashley, what, what, do you, what do you have some thoughts on, on this news? Firstly, uh, as someone who was raised Anglican, every time I hear uh, "May the Force be with you," I want to like yeah, sneeze no, and say, right? "And also with you." Like <laughs> no. it's it's so <laughs> deeply burned into my yep. psyche. Yeah, yep. you know, like the two finger little cross symbol. Um, <laughs> I'm actually super excited about uh, Christy Karen's being a part of this because 1917, I think, was one of the best movies that came out last year. She's also co-writing on Edgar Wright's uh, new movie that will come out who knows someday in the ambiguous future. Um, and that to me means that um, she's probably a good person to pair with Taika, who we kind of know as being this writer director, obviously one best screenplay, uh, original screenplay last year for Ginger Rabbit, because Edgar Wright has this very specific type of patter and humor that he brings to his projects, even when they're more dramatic in the same way that I expect a Taika project to be. Uh, I am, I'm, I'm so deeply in on Taika for everything. He's one of the most powerful people of color currently working in Hollywood, and I can't wait for him to be in charge of everything. I love him so much, and what we do in the shadows is such a blessing in my life as it continues <laughs> as a television show. Thank you, Mr. Waititi. You're very handsome. What I <laughs> wonder about this announcement is what is he going to do? Because he, his wheelhouse, even with Thor Ragnarok, is kind of weird kind of yeah. funny characters who tug at your heartstrings and i i don't see how mainstream star wars so star wars that gets away from kind of the weirder stuff that we're doing on television ties into that unless it's and here's my i'm gonna take steven's tinfoil hat off and put it out on me and say that i think he's taking over uh the benioff and weiss knights of the old republic mm -hmm. yeah uh standalone because that's kind of weird and kind of different and you could allow him to play a little more there than if he were doing a straight up episode dear god i don't want any more episodes of star wars until i'm about to pass away please and thank you disney <laughs> but also uh you know the the directors of mandalorian was brought up and the episode directors it was a murderer's row so if if those are the types of people and the types of voices that we're going to have uh, crafting Star Wars going forward, including a lot of really powerful female voices. Uh, I'm I'm like tangentially here for it because uh, as I like to always throw gas on the fire <laughs> when we talk about Star Wars, I don't care about Star Wars movies. Give me Star Wars on TV. Yeah, yeah. so, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I sent out a tweet earlier this week when this was announced as basically like, I have full faith that Taika Waititi is going to deliver a fine film, a mm -hmm. very good Star Wars film, providing that Lucasfilm and Disney allow him to do the film that he wants. I'm sure yeah. when they came to that third Thor movie, people were like, ah, the last Thor movie was such a slag. Let's let Taika show us what he's got. And it delivered something that was really good and really changed, I think, the direction of how you approach a Marvel film after that. We saw what happened with Solo uh, with the uh, with the Lego movie guys in there, how they just were, were tossed out on their ear. Miller and Lord. Yeah, uh, I don't want that to happen here. I think that, you know, he did make it through, though, the meat grinder of Marvel, which has done the same thing to creative directors in the past. And I think that that is what is saving him is that Disney knows him. They know what he can do with Marvel stuff. They know what he did with the, the Thor movie. They have faith in him in the next uh, Thor movie. Uh, I think he's going to deliver something unlike what we have seen before. And I, I am sure I'm I'm I am a betting man that will say that, oh, man, Ryan Johnson is going to come away looking like. Uh, he was barely picked on 
when the Taika Waititi uh, Star Wars movie drops because Ooh, so many people are going to be upset by what he delivers. It it is a it is a boon that everybody seems to be con- like on 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 board with the idea that the sky quote unquote Skywalker saga is, is over. done. Yeah, I hope so. So I do too. I I think the Skywalker saga went went on six movies too long. Um, I I will second that. But um, <laughs> but if we get to start from some other point, we get to start fresh. We get to do something else. The 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 galaxy really opens up, and also anybody. I feel like anybody who didn't like even stuff that's connected like Rogue One or Solo always has that ability to decanonize it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, all of the uh, all the people that get upset because just on the tin because of who Taika Waititi is before they even get to the movie um, can will also just have the option to just not even think about it. Although yeah. who knows if they will. Yeah. Matthew, you have some thoughts on this? All right, so stay with me on this. I'm going to elevator pitch. This is Steven's elevator pitch hat. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. You don't, don't want to sell me Death Sticks, a Star Wars story. I want I want something. I really want the story of Elon Sleaze Baggio or that third guy who sit on Java's shoulder and go, <laughs> Salacious B. Crumb. Yeah, I want something where it's like Wicket J. Warwick, you know, off across the galaxy. I really want it to be something where you can go, hey, kind of like Rogue One, maybe less interconnected than Rogue One, where you can go, hey, this is clearly a person that you know from this other story. And now these are things that other that happened other places in their life. What is what did happen after he went home and rethought his life because of Ewan McGregor? Mm. What happened to Elon Sleazebagio? And that's what I want to know. And that's what I think that Taika Waititi should be able to do. They should be able to give us something that isn't centered on frickin' Jedi. It isn't necessarily this story of the same four people who are somehow all related. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get that. I think we're definitely going to get some Jedi stuff in here. Uh, It would be interesting if we saw Knights of the Old Republic, like you mentioned, Ashley, because that is another thing that I've seen uh, pop up was either Knights of the Old Republic TV show or mm. that was going to be the next trilogy of films was Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, but but I hope not. Because... Or maybe <laughs> maybe maybe Rodrigo, we're finally going to get uh, what is his name? Cade. Uh, we're going to get his his story. Uh, Cade Skywalker. Cade you mean Skywalker. the son of the son of Luke? I yes. don't think so. Yes. More freaking Skywalker. More Skywalker. The only way that's going to happen, I'll tell you exactly how you get uh, Cade, or the way that you get uh, Jason and Jaina, who we should have had. Uh, I hate you, Kylo Ren. You ruined this for me. <laughs> is he ruined so much? Uh, if you, uh, I, I can't. I can't. I'm going to close that door that I opened because I will scream about how much I hate Kylo Ren until I pass away. But the only way you're going to get Cade or Jason or Jaina is if, like, we see Ray force pregnant by Kylo. Oh Lord! Raising oh. babies. Don't, no, don't Look, put that out in the world. This is They'll what Disney you. does. This is what they do. And that's what episode 10, 11, and 12 are. I'm telling you. You know, my kid watched episode Fava Fav, whatever it was. The one where all the things happened that was bad. The last one. And she well, was uh, like, yeah, let's, let's, yeah. I like the Ryan Johnson movie. There's nine. nothing wrong with that one. You're talking about not nine. Said there was oh, okay. She's watching. Oh, there's plenty wrong the with one. it. The last one. The last Jedi. And throughout it, 
she kept rooting for for Rilo Kylie to finally have his final face turn and become a good guy. And I'm like, well, what what would happen then? And she's like, he and Ray can go be best friends and go live happily and not have any more conflict in their life. And I'm like, I would be down with that. I would like to nominate uh, Matthew's Tiny Human to write the next Star Wars movie, please. Right. But this no, because we got Taika Waititi and... and uh, uh, well, she she can have the episode. I, Taika's got to just do a weird one-off. Okay. Yeah. Taika's no, no, be, I like, want him to do Star all Wars. the Star Wars. Let him do all the Star Wars. from a Star Wars story. All right. Listeners, we want to know what your take is on all this uh, shenanigans. This was just announced, so, you know, no release date, none of that stuff. So let your speculation run wild over there at the Major Spoilers Discord. Of course, you can find uh, all the information right here in the show notes. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server for free, or you can link your Patreon account to Discord and get access to even more features. And so head over there to patreon.com slash major spoilers. All right. Let us get into some reviews. Uh, let's see. What do we have here? I didn't look at everyone's dates here. Uh, Matthew, let's start with you. Out last week, part of, uh, I think this was previously released for some reason. Uh, but I, I, for some reason, I want to say yes, but I don't know, because this is what the next uh, Warner Brothers animated movie is about. Uh, but Superman, Man of Tomorrow, number two, is a quote-unquote digital first uh, yep. over there on the Comixology. And uh, you're going to tell us alls about it. I am alls about it. And here's the thing. Uh, I read Superman Man O Tomorrow, number one, reviewed it for our website, Majorspoilers.com. If you're not there, you can't be listening to me because that's where this show comes from. So since you were there and you know, you know that I love that book. Issue one of Superman Man of Tomorrow was a really, really great kind of solid explanation of Superman without being overly talky or here is what Superman represents. It showed and it didn't tell. So I'm really excited when I pick up issue number two and I'm like, okay, what's going on? Immediately in issue number two, we get Clark and Lois, which I think is a really interesting place to start a Superman story. Apparently Metropolis is going to get a new casino, but people are worried because uh, first of all, the city council seems like they may be corrupt and they may be taking money from the wrong people to vote on this casino. And they're worried that it'll bring in crime, you know, like over in Gotham. So as the story goes on, this weird casino story is playing in the background, and, of course, Clark gets called out to be Superman. Small sidebar. I've been reading comics for, oh, way too long. And back in the 90s, a particular artist kept popping up on all of my favorite books and making me really mad. His name is Paul Pelletier. And based on the first two issues of Superman Man of Tomorrow, I would like to apologize for the things that Paul Pelletier never heard me say. Uh, whether it's a change in his art style and purpose, whether it's the new inker, Drew Hennessy, whether it's just I'm working on Superman and I'm altering my style to be Superman, Pelletier knocks this one out of the park because there's the scene where Superman has to leave and it's a three-panel sequence, close up on the shirt rip, close up on the eyes, and this beautiful shot of Superman literally leaping into the air. And it's... Oh, neat. It's really, really good. It's a good-looking book. Now back to the other part. Uh, the whole thing about the casino turns out to be more than it seems because the bad guys of Metropolis are betting on Superman, on where he's going to go, how fast he's going to get there, how many people he's going to save, how many people he's not going to save, and trying to rig the game. 
So setting up multiple problems at the same time to see which Superman will pick. Will he save the child in the burning building or will he stop the bank robbery? And of course, it becomes clear to Superman that in this case, the problem is partly him. And I really love that hook and I love the way it ends. And I'm not going to tell you how it ends because you need to go check it out. But I'm going to go with a whopping four slices of meatloaf for this Superman issue. It does have a wonderful scene of Clark slumped on the couch, upset, shirt still open, Superman shirt visible, his glasses pushed way down his nose, just drinking his troubles away. And then you cut to the close up and the label clearly says pop, which I think is a nice joke. Uh, if you know the history of the uh, recalled Superman cover from a few years ago, but it's even better when Lois goes, "Uh Oh, what's wrong? You're hitting the pop. And I just love the fact that Superman, when he gets upset, comes home and starts drinking soda. And that's how his wife knows that something is wrong. That is such a silly vice that so fits this character and makes me very happy. And again, good book, good art, good story. Unexpected villain, if you know your Golden Age uh, Justice League, Justice Society villains. So... Four slices of meatloaf for Superman, Man of Tomorrow, number two. I'm going to be back. I think there's a new episode again tomorrow. Is yeah, it uh, comes out weekly. Comes out weekly. Yeah, so it, it arrived yeah. uh, today. today. I think they launch them on, I think they launch them all week, uh, to be honest. But I think they all come out at once, too. But I think Superman comes out on Tuesday and Wonder Woman on Monday. Yeah, they have, a, they have a Wonder Woman Wednesday, and then they have a Flash Friday, and a Man of Tomorrow Monday, and all that stuff. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, out this week as a digital first, it is Flash number 753 from DC Comics. Print edition, people, you're going to have to wait until May 20th to get your hands on this. This is a Flash Age story. Oh, boy, it features everyone's favorite speedsters, Godspeed, and the reverse Flash. Wait, who is everyone in this case? Apparently, whoever thought that, you know, continually worshipping at the feet of Barry Allen and the Jeff Johns... Uh, flashpoint paradox uh was a was a good idea Finish because him. they continually go back to this whole thing that barry screwed up and every time he tra- time travels things are getting more and more screwed up uh this time um what's his name paradox <laughs> this is me not making a comment yeah go ahead uh paradox <laughs> no, paradox is the uh is the big bad in this in this uh, story arc and he has tapped Godspeed to channel all of the energies uh, that he needs to continue to split apart the multiverse or the different timelines or whatever that they're calling it these days. And Barry has figured out the one thing that he needs to do is he needs to team up with the reverse Flash so that the two of them together can take down Paradox once and for all. I I don't like it. I, I mean, I, I, I think I, I've talked a, a lot about how I'm a Wally fan and not a not a Barry fan. Uh, Barry was good when he died the first time, um, but we got to keep bringing him back and we got to keep having him muck up with time and all of these different kinds of things. I mean, this is a fine story. Uh, Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter do deliver a fine story with with what they're with what they're bringing to us. I just don't see. And again, uh, I think what is this 12, 12 issue arc or something like this, however many that they have going on here that at some point they have to stop with the time traveling. They have to stop with, uh, you know, Barry constantly going, oh, I made a mistake that one time and you people are making me suffer forever. Or the fact that we have to keep going back to that, to that incident time and time and time again. 
maybe it's time to find something else that makes Barry interesting besides rebooting, restarting, retelling the same story over and over again. Um, it, it's a fine issue. It's I mean, I'm sure a lot of people will like it. I was initially interested in what was going on with Paradox and the the Flash Age as uh, as Barry discovers who he is traveling both forward and backward through time. But now that it feels like this has been going on for a year now, and it may be because of delays in comics and whatnot, um, I'm kind of ready for something new. I'm going to give Flash 753 out in digital today or May 20th if you've got to be one of those print-only people. I'm going to give it three slices of meatloaf out of five. So there you go. Uh, Ashley, would you like to share your, your book this week? Yes. So I have been spending a lot of my time in, uh, self-isolation, catching up and becoming current on webtoons that I used to only read in fits and starts. And a couple of the ones that I've been reading, it turns out, haven't updated in like a year. I'm looking at you, hashtag bless. What's going on there? I would like more of the story, please. Who does she pick? What is happening? I need answers. But one of the ones that is in active production is Darby by Sherard Jackson, who is the entire creative team. I think on this new arc, he finally has uh, an independent colorist, but in its beginnings, it was just him. And it's... I, I wanted to be caught up on it because he's running a Kickstarter for a collection right now. And I wanted to, you know, make sure that I was going to support it and that I knew what was up. Uh, Darby is the story of a first he's a baby. Now he's like a teenager T-Rex. And it's basically um, what if a tiny T-Rex was like really, really vicious and had really, really vicious siblings and fought every bigger dinosaur in a giant bloody mess. And I mean like giant bloody mess, like invincible style blood. So it's definitely, while the style the art style is really adorable and I think it's beautiful and I love that they are uh, full of feathers the way actual dinosaurs are and, and anatomically rendered pretty good for the cartoony style. Uh, don't, Please don't give this to your tiny human. Uh, the latest arc started not too long ago. It's called Destroyers, uh, which if you listen to my description of the webcomic, probably doesn't surprise you in any way. Most of the arcs of Darby are a build to a huge confrontation or a mini kind of war between the various factions that inhabit uh, the parts of the world that Darby and his brothers and sisters are also part of. This Destroyers has brought me so much joy in the same part of my brain that will always rewatch Pacific Rim and have such a good time with it, that loves every version of Godzilla, especially when Mothra's there, no matter what. And it's introducing a couple new characters to the mythos, which I'm very, very here for, while still highlighting some of my favorite. My favorite character is actually one of Darby's sisters. Her name is Dala, and she is a uh, a real... Uh, butt-kicking lady. She's real tough. She's rendered in black and white. She's super, super cute. And I'm really happy to have some kind of, like, scheduled normalcy in my pop culture right now. And Webtoons is one of the only things that's giving this to me. So if people are looking for something that is still in very active production and will continue to update, you, I definitely recommend checking out Darby. I give this 4.5 out of 5 because there's like not enough of my favorite character in it for me to give it a 5 out of 5. But also if this is something that people are interested in, um, I got to interview Sherard 
uh, last month about Darby and his process and what is specific and special about Webtoons versus a traditional comic book. And people can also go check that out on the Major Spoilers website when they're done listening to this podcast today. There you go. There you go. Thank you for that, Ashley. And Rodrigo, you get the final review this week for a comic that comes out on May 13th. Yeah. That comic is Osiris Path, number one. So uh, Osiris Path is the story of an archaeologist who is tapped by, I guess, the government to uh, travel to space and do some archaeology in space. It's kind of the it's like kind of an alternate history because this takes place during the Reagan era. Mm. Um, and they specifically in the thing, like very briefly lay out kind of like an, an alternative, an alternate history of uh, human exploration of the moon um, so that it would have presumed that it you know, started earlier. Um, it's very interesting. There's a lot of stuff going on that um, is sort of very evocative of those like tropes. I think the uh, um, the uh, solicitation calls it uh, Indiana Jones in space. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's you find out there are uh, ruins on the moon and there are these, um, there's another organization that is sort of interested in it. Um, there's this whole like team of, of people that you start to get to know. There's a, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, the art is very good. I'm, I'm really into it. I think, you know, there's a lot of, um, spacesuits and space vehicles and things like that and and these are very realistic right they're not um they're not like star trek type spaceships these are like lunar module looking type spaceships so they're not you know they look like they were built by nasa rather than you know being all like pew pew and like zooming around (laughs) um so that's all very good um my biggest problem with this is that the main character is like just seems really wimpy uh and i don't mean like he's not a tough guy i mean like sort of in his convictions like he he gets told nothing i i think so that we as an audience can find things out with him Uh but at every step of the way, like, you know, the narration opens up and he's like, yeah, I was tapped to go on this mission, but I don't know why. And then he's like on this like lunar, like he's basically on this rocket and he's going to this lunar base like that, that orbits the moon. And he's like, uh, guys, why is nobody coming on the lander with me? And then the lander like takes off and is like, nobody ever tells him anything. Everybody's like, you'll see. And he never stops and says, well, no. Um, clearly you've hired me to do this. You need to tell me what's happening, right? It's like at every point he's like, yeah, okay, I'll go along with you. And like people are like loading these weapons and stuff. And he's not like, why do we need weapons to go see an ancient dig? You know, it's just like, I I found it really 
sort of off-putting that the character is is just such like like he's just like completely swept along by all the other characters i don't know maybe they did a psychological profile and it's like if we had an actual indiana jones who makes his own decisions and often goes against what uh the government or other organizations might want him to do we actually want someone who's just going to get swept along so find me the most milquetoast archaeologist you can who is also capable enough to do this i don't know that's just me it's kind of rough when you don't really like the main character too much or, or you know it's like where, where the main character doesn't exhibit either enough of a personality or strong enough personality traits for you to like be like oh, okay well this is why we're following this person um Again, not bad. An above-average comic. It looks really good. I'll give it three slices of meatloaf out of five. Um, and if you know, if it sounds interesting to you, then definitely check it out. All right, there you go. You can uh, find more reviews over at Majorspoilers.com and uh, and a lot of stuff over at Majorspoilers.com. What you won't find over there, but you're gonna find here. Oh, a surprise! Major Spoilers poll of the week. What? Yeah, Matthew, what? you kind of got into. A, I don't know if it was an internet uh, tiff this week, but someone was talking about uh, Wildcat. Wildcat. Yeah, fighting somebody, and which brought up to mind, who would win in a fight? Mike Tyson in his prime or Wildcat? Matthew. Wildcat. Why? Well, two reasons. Uh, one, I am predisposed after years of comic books to go with the superhero. But more importantly, Mike Tyson is a, a real human being. He is a person with weaknesses and feelings. And Ted is not wildcat is a character whose fight record is unrealistic wildcat is a character who literally punches men who are shooting at him and does not get shot and as much as you say to me wildcat has no superpowers it, you're clearly saying it in the same way that batman has no superpowers which is to say yes he absolutely does we just don't call them superpowers so I say Wildcat is going to win against real characters. I believe the character that the question was about was actually Bane. Yeah, I think so. Bane, uh, Wildcat would also beat Bane uh, because F Bane. But more importantly, if you say Mike Tyson in his prime, you're dealing with a real person and you have real examples of what he can and more importantly, what he cannot do. If you remember Mike Tyson in his prime, still lost a couple of fights and surprised people. So I feel like it's not fair to pit even as good a combatant as a Mike Tyson against a fictional character with the, the all of the baggage that comes with being a fictional character. Rodrigo? Um, I think uh, Mike Tyson in his prime would definitely beat Wildcat so that then we could follow Wildcat for a while about him like feeling sorry for himself about it until mm. like probably one of his students comes to him and they're like yeah what are you doing and then they kick his butt and he's like yeah you're right I need to like fuck up and then like Brainiac invades Metropolis and Wildcat is like well I might not have superpowers but I'll help him. Ah. so he has to help <laughs> okay alright Ashley who would win in a fight Mike Tyson in his prime or Wildcat well one of these people is in the Stargirl pilot. Yeah. One Mike of these Tyson people is, in Stargirl? is a real person. One of these people went to jail. One of these people didn't. I know very little about either of these people, so I'm going to say Wildcat because it's funner. Okay. All right. I, I think that 
the way that Wildcat is presented in the comics, I don't think he would defeat Mike Tyson in their initial meetup. I think you have to have him lose so that you have your, your hero to root for. Unless, of course, your hero is Mike Tyson, in which case you're like, yes, yes, go Mike, go. Um, but I, but Mike I Tyson think... isn't even the hero in Mike Tyson's I know, punch right? Out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like it's his, the the name. The game has his name on it, and he's still the final boss. Yeah. Uh, didn't Muhammad Ali beat Superman? Didn't didn't Muhammad Superman Ali beat Superman? Yes, but there were some uh, caveats involved. Yeah, I uh, think that we would probably. I think we would probably also see something like that in this in this story. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Mike Tyson. I think on this one. So, yeah. Listeners, what do you think? Discord.com is where you want to go, the Major Spoilers Discord uh, server. Go uh, check us out. There's a link in the show notes. And if you're looking for some some great deals right now, if you're waiting for, I know, Rodrigo, you're up there in the Pacific Northwest, and it's, mm-hmm. it's turning into spring, question mark? And it gets really... I mean, it is. To, actually, it's turning into summer this week. Ah, okay. We're supposed to be up in the 80s. Ooh, but I bet you're still going to have lots of rain and wet, and you want to protect your feet <laughs> and protect your yeah. head. So why don't you head over to either isotoner.com or totes.com, get your spring water wearing clothes, and then use the checkout code MAJOR, M-A-J-O-R, at checkout and get 25% off. That's isotoner.com or totes.com. Thanks for helping us out, and uh, thank you, listeners, for using that code. Also, I should mention, if you are looking for some of the comic books that we are talking about this week, if you're looking for the Superman Man of Tomorrow, the Flash uh, 753, or the Osiris Path, You'll notice a link in the show notes where you can buy these comics directly through Comixology if you're a digital comics type person. If you're a print person and you don't want to buy anything digital, that's fine. But you'll find links into the show notes to these issues to the Comixology website where when you make a purchase, a little bit comes back our way. We are now part of the Comixology affiliate program. So every time you click on one of those Comixology ads or links over at Majorspoilers.com, a little bit comes back our way. So keep that in mind as well. I think one of the reasons why, Matthew, I was thinking uh, boxing, not only in addition to your tweet this week, is this week's criminal deals with a boxer who is trying to get out of a criminal organization and do right, but ends up doing all sorts of horrible wrong. Oh, my God. This week, we take a look at Criminal Volume 3, The Dead and the Dying from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, uh, published through, I believe, Image Comics. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who wants to to take us down... A trip down memory lane, three tales in one volume. How about you, Matthew? How about you tell us what's what's going on in this in this book? Three equally depressing and horrifying tales, um, sort of rotating around, but not directly interacting with organized crime. Uh, our first story is a young boxer, and this is an interesting sort of life for him because this young boxer, I believe his name is Cleavon Brown whose father worked for a notorious criminal organization and whose father never quite got out of that organization. And so he grew up with the heir apparent to the criminal organization and terrible things happened to him. And he tried to do good and terrible things happened to everyone around him. At which point we transitioned to said heir apparent, a young Mr. Hyde. I can't remember his first name. Uh, He's a jerk. Uh, who's not trying to do the right thing, but still has terrible, terrible things happening to him. And then, of course, we meet Danica, a young girl who got involved with both of them, tried to do good, but bad things happened to her, 
and horrible things happened to her as well. I'm depressed just talking about it, but <laughs> it is good comics. Yeah, no, it's this... A, it's, it's an engaging story, but man, yeah, I guess what's really interesting is this all involves around the Hyde family and a, um, a robbery of some drug money from the younger Hyde child and all the people involved and how it affects them. And so we get to see this story play out from three different points of view, from the boxer, from Danica and from uh, Lawless, who is just out of out of jail and is uh, no, he's just back from Vietnam. Sorry. Yeah, he's, back Vietnam. yeah, he's just back from Vietnam and he's trying to, and he's going through some stuff and by a bunch of, you know, he gets led on by Danica that uh, the place that they're going to steal is a bunch of uh, Mexican drug cartel money. Uh, turns out it's not, it's from the hides and everything that happens with it and all the, the damage that, that is caused. Uh, you're right, Matthew, this very engaging story. It's a very short read because it's only three issues. But the thing right. that I like most about this volume is the fact that we've already read two previous volumes and we could see a little bit of overlap between the main characters in both of those previous volumes. By the time you hit Criminal Volume 3 and you're starting to see these characters recurring and you're starting to see them pop up, you suddenly realize that, oh, all these criminal books aren't just separate stories. They're all criminals that... It's all happening in the same It's all yeah, happening in the same and time place. and all these families and all of these different characters that we're meeting from Volume 1, Volume 2, Volume 3, we're seeing their whole stories play out over time. And so I find that very interesting that, you know, in a very different, in a, in a way that's very similar to what we see with um, uh, Kurt Busiek and uh, Astro City, we're seeing the same thing with uh, with Criminal in that all these stories are intertwined in some way, shape or form, whether that be, you know, a common uh, element like the undertow bar or something like that, or just the family lines that continue to be intertwined. This is the book where I think it finally comes together and says, yeah, this is what we're doing with this volume. Now, sure, by volume four, I'm sure that will be totally flipped around. But that is the thing that I found most fascinating about this volume is that the interconnectedness between all yeah. the characters and stories and volumes where it's not being told in a linear. Here's the beginning and here's the end. Uh, each volume is is looking at a different time period and a different thing, kind of like Hellboy, Rodrigo, I would say a little bit. Right. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Did you enjoy this this volume, Rodrigo? Uh, you know, in general, kind of true crime comics are not my bag. Mm. Um, I there's lots of stuff I appreciate about it. I think the the art is very good. It's very evocative. Mm -hmm. I I like the interconnected stories that aren't like it's three interconnected stories that aren't necessarily telling a greater story. It's just right the the stories of these three characters happen to overlap mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so i enjoy that uh but in general i you know i i, I found it difficult to stay focused on it because it's it's really not the type of story that tends to interest me yeah um there has to be something very particular going on for me to get into a crime story yeah i think um, uh, last time we yeah. did it you were intrigued by the heist nature of the story right yeah definitely so I, I do like heists. I like um, I like very sort of unusual characters. That there are certain types of characters that you can only get in crime stories. It's like a like like your total weirdo character in a criminal book is very different from how they appear in like a superhero book or whatever. But actually, these three characters are all. Um, kind of just three people that are just trying to get by and do their thing and, and trying not to get killed. And it works mm -hmm. out for like maybe one of them. Mm -hmm. Kind of, um, sort of. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's not, uh, I don't, like, none of the tropes here, although they're perfectly fine and valid, none of them were really talking to me. Mm. Ashley, how do you feel about this? I'm actually really glad that you brought up the interconnectedness because I had not read any criminal up to this point. Oh, okay. So for me, I sat down at three o'clock today, Pacific time, and uh, said, okay, we're starting with volume one and we're going to read 300 pages of comics by 620 Pacific time because that's when major spoilers starts. And this is a series that I know um, is quite beloved by a number of TV writers who I very much mm. uh, love and respect. It is beloved by my husband, who I love and respect even more than those TV writers. Oh, and thanks, so I, <laughs> you're welcome. And I really wanted to like it. So I think that was the right headspace for me to be in because I have a problem when everybody's mean and having uh, someone to root for. Yeah. But kind of, kind of knowing that that was what we were getting into, I actually really liked this third volume because for me, it tied up a lot of the threads in a really interesting way because uh, the first volume being Coward, uh, there wasn't a lot for me to sort of sink my little, ah, I need the good guys to be good and bad guys to be bad claws into because I just want everyone in the world to be Frodo Baggins. And the character that I liked the most was Gnarly, who is one of the focal points in this book and arguably the goodest person. Not that anyone is particularly good in this. And this volume uh, refreshingly stars more than just white men. Yeah. And I kind of liked the Rashomon approach of we're telling this story through several different lenses. It's not necessarily the same story beat for beat the way you might see adapted in an episode of television, but it serves much the same function. So I really liked this. I would not necessarily recommend reading three volumes of it right in a row. There mm -hmm. might be a palate cleanser called for in between, unless you have to do it for the sake of a podcast or something similar to that. Uh, but if this is a series that we're going to be revisiting again in the future, I would say I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And I, I mean, the art like kills it. So if nothing else, just look at the panels. Yeah, that is one thing that I've talked about before is that sometimes I can't really get behind the glorification of criminals uh, and and bad people. However, it seems like. As we've seen in the previous volumes, everyone who's bad does kind of get their comeuppance in some way, shape or form, even if it takes decades for that to happen. Uh, we still see that we still see that play out is is very much so. how I'm how I'm seeing that. That being said, I think the um, Cleavon or I think that's what his name is in the first the first story. I think Cleavon it makes me think Cleavon. Well, who, is the son. I think I well whoever is the whoever is the uh, the boxer in this Cleavon just makes me think of Cleavon Little every single yeah. time. And yeah, like yeah. what a gem he was. Yeah. His name is Jake and they call him gnarly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and which is interesting because, and the only reason why I say it's interesting is because we see Jake kill the bar owner, mm -hmm. you know, right? Uh, in his rage, I think that's in book two, maybe three. Uh, but if we've read the previous volume, we know that Jake becomes the manager of the undertow. Mm -hmm. So we get to, we kind of know, even though he's left crippled and, and lying there in a pool of blood and, and broken bones, we know that 
he lives, right? We we see kind of where where he comes when it when it all comes back around. And I was pretty sure maybe I'm wrong. I thought that I thought that there was an upcoming volume that took place at a comic convention. Maybe I'm There's one. There's one uh because I I asked Mr. Jason Inman, I said, have you read volume three of Criminal? He goes, I don't know which one is which, but he's like, I think you're probably reading the one that's kind of about Jack Kirby. I think that's the oh, one Steve, okay. that, you're, that you're talking yeah. about that I think is considered to be the most beloved yeah. amongst all of us nerdy types. Yeah, that's that's not this one. So I'm sure yeah. that that is coming up in, in future future volumes. Um, but I here's what I liked about this volume. It was short, right? It's only three issues. Still, yes, there's yeah. a lot of story packed in here. And even with a lot of story packed in here, the art is wonderful, especially in issue number two, where we follow Lawless getting blackout drunk and and winding up in all these situations. And it's so brilliantly done because you actually take the time to see these black panels, multiple, uh, sometimes connected, multiple ones. So you're like, oh, he's blacked out because he's so drunk. And then we get this flash of what horrible thing has he done? He's blacked out again. He's back again. I really enjoyed that sequence from uh, from Sean Phillips. I, I I like that probably the best of this is how do you accurately portray someone who is blackout drunk, as, as opposed to them just you know staggering around and and beer goggle vision and throwing up in an alley. I really enjoyed that that sequence a lot. Um, uh, I actually think this series is don't. Um... Baker and Phillips have an exclusive at image to produce this series. I believe they do. Yeah. Which when it happened was super unheard of because we think of exclusives as being just for sort of the Marvel mm-hmm. DC creators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, let's see. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's now a monthly series, I believe. Um, since, since it's, uh, since this exclusive stuff. Rodrigo, even though you didn't care for this story, was there something in this volume that you enjoyed? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, first off, the art um, is is really great. Um, I liked a lot of the kind of... Um, so there's, there's a lot of sort of... Sto- there, there's just like so much storytelling in this, right? Mm-hmm. There's a sequence where um uh the guy who comes back from vietnam and has all the flashbacks yeah. Teague, I forget lawless. His name. Teague lawless yeah yeah, yeah. so Law- yeah lawless uh he uh is trying to, to to keep the ptsd at bay and so starts drinking a lot mm-hmm. and starts doing a lot of drugs so there are uh, to 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 reflect this in this comic book, there are black panels. Yeah, like yeah that's panels what I was just talking about. It's, it's wonderful. Just all black. Yeah, and it's like it's such a simple thing to do. It's such an easy thing to do. It's just such a cheat, but it's also great. It's like a great way uh, to use the medium of comics to tell a story by using the actual physical medium of comics right. to tell a story. And, and especially right? when you have so few pages to tell the story. To mm-hmm. use up, literally, through the multiple blackouts that he has, there's probably at least a full page or more yeah. that is would be black panels if you just put them side by side by side. Yeah. And so to eat up that much of the of the issue to show those blackout sequences is just wonderful. Matthew, what about you? Did you find some joy in this besides the sadness of, of each story? Oh, yeah, I like sometimes being sad when you're reading a book. I feel like a story that can 
make you feel bad for these characters and their horrible lives is a successful story. And I really like this one because it feels like that weird neo-noir 70s movie stuff that we got into a run of on Zach on film where it's all like the conversation and, you know, Serpico and all the weird, you know, Sidney Sydney Lumet movies and stuff. But I feel like the part of it that is most fascinating is if you read one of these issues separately, mm-hmm. you won't miss anything necessarily. You'll get a complete story from beginning to end. But if you read all three of them, you'll get another story. There's almost like a, a meta narrative going on here that none of the characters actually know is happening. So you don't know the full story of what all happened. We see a character get killed in issue one, and then we realize in issue two, oh yeah, here it is, he's going to murder him. Then you get to issue three, and you're like, okay, well, what about that whole thing with, the, oh, it, yeah, that's what it was. She was actually behind the whole thing. So. Yeah. The stories aren't required to be read all together, which I really appreciate, especially, mm-hmm. you know, indiv- individual issues that are individual issues are sometimes hard to find. But if you read it all, you get more. Now, the question then becomes, am I going to rush right out into buying frenzy for more criminal? Maybe. But I'm still troubled by it, a lot of the things that happened in here, and I'm really, really upset about how badly, and I understand why it happens. But how badly Danica gets treated, yeah, comparatively to Sebastian, mm-hmm. I feel like there's 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 something there, and I don't think that it's an intentional thing. I think that it may be artifacts of you know taking on the films noir of the past and trying to you know recontextualize them against you know maybe those newer tropes and newer bits and pieces. But I mean, all the women. Still- in all of these books are treated like trash. Yeah, they always end up with a terrible ending. Not that anybody comes out of this one good by any means, but the the women seem to get the the dirtiest end of the stick. And I feel like that is troubling. And I feel like, I don't know, I understand that when a, a story is set in a time period when racism is a thing, that that racism is part of the story, should be part of the story, in some cases must be part of the story. It still makes my teeth itch to read about it. Yeah. And again, we've talked about this. Not only is uh, the story is a reflection of what the past was, right? Without trying to candy coat it or to cover over anything that might have happened back then. Um, So I think there's something to to that without just being, you know, without making it a means for someone to uh, share their own personal, uh, you know, uh, thoughts and reactions on other people, I guess. I'm not saying that Ed Brubaker is racist just because he has racist characters, right? Right. Uh, No, no, no. Whereas whereas you have some creations in books that you and I are reviewing, Matthew, that are incredibly insensitive, and we go back and we look at it and we say, oh, well, that's because that was the time period. So I think I think there's a little it, it's it sometimes I think can be a um, difficult balance to say, well, here's somebody who's trying to be accurate to the way that this time period would have been as opposed to, well, it was the time period. So we're excusing someone's, right. uh, you know, Im- improprieties or racist tendencies or whatever uh, in that. Uh, but I understand where you're coming from, that it does feel super uncomfortable. And I think that that is another thing that this book does and the series does really well is it's again not trying to glorify 
criminal behavior because, as I said before, everybody is everybody gets their comeuppance in some some way, shape, or form. What, what were you going to well, say, Rodrigo? An important an important thing in the depiction of racism is to see how does the narrative itself treat it, right? Mm-hmm. And and certainly certainly if you are centered on a black man or a black woman and you're seeing people be racist to them and how it affects them, that is probably not a bad depiction of racism, right? Because the world of the comic is showing you the the problems with racism and how it makes people feel and everything like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even, but, you know, sometimes you take it in other ways where somebody's just like, well, that was just the time, but you don't see that. It's not centered on someone who is... Uh, harmed by racism and the racism is not shown to cause harm um that is a problematic depiction of racism and that often happens uh when we do go back and see older comics where it wasn't even considered racism to right do that's that that's what i yeah that's the, what i'm saying by yeah. the writers right yeah, but yeah that's yeah. that's a third very different situation modern writers can try to depict um the uh the the racist issues of the 70s for example um, and still fail at it, still make it so that either the racism seems like it doesn't do anything or we're still like it glorifies it in some way simply by depicting it and showing uh, no negative outcomes by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there's it's it's complex. It's complicated. You have to when you make that choice to have somebody drop an end bomb in your book, uh, you have to think about it real hard and think about who the who the victim of that slur is, what you're saying about the world, and what the consequences are for that person and for everybody else, sort of of that stuff happening. It's it's not easy, and chances are you are going to piss somebody off. Yeah, yeah. So how does it work in this book, in your opinion, Rodrigo? I, I think this book, um, for me, it's really not about comeuppance. I think this book does a good job of saying, like, Here's Lol is back from Vietnam. He's having a really hard time of it, and it pushes him to do certain things, and it limits his options in these ways, and that's kind of why this happens. And, you know, he makes some decisions as well, most of them bad. Most of the characters in these books just make a lot of bad decisions, but often because they don't have good decisions open to them, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing for both of the Black characters that we see in their own stories. Um, they just don't have a lot of options. And I think this book mostly realistically depicts uh, issues where it's like, well, if you are a boxer and you're back from the war and you don't have a lot else going on, uh, you're kind of, you know, forcefully estranging yourself or like willingly estranging yourself from the only source of money in your life, which is the mob. Mm hmm. Um, then you are going to run into these issues. And I think it does a good job of that. I never felt like this book was like mischaracterizing like the plight of any of these characters. Okay. All right. So what is your, what is your bottom line on this then, Rodrigo? Uh, For me, you know, it's not my thing. Um, It takes, like I said, it takes something very particular, very different for me to get into crime books Chances are, like, this is this is not a, a dig on the writing or art, but chances are next time we pick up Criminal, I am probably not going to remember this volume because <laughs> crime stories just kind of roll, roll, roll off yeah. of me pretty easy. Yeah. Um, I would say if you're into it, if you're into that sort of thing, or you want to, if you want to see a good 
good depiction of noir as a style in comics as far as the art definitely pick it up otherwise that's a pass for me all right ashley what about you some final thoughts Final thoughts, criminal. You are going to like this if you are already predisposed to liking mob stories, crime stories, noir, anything like that. It delivers on all the trappings and tropes very, very well. And it's sort of whether or not you're already into this is, you know, going to be ultimately where you fall down on it. I think the art is really beautiful. I think it does what it sets out to do. Well, and I think that also means that it's mean as heck sometimes, mm-hmm. and that can be tough to deal with. But I think this is probably one of the best examples of this genre in comics. I think Parker is another uh, yes. really great example. Yes. And if you're into that, absolutely check it out. The coolest thing is you can jump in at any volume, but if you read from volume one, I think there's more payoff when you get down the line to volume three where we are today. Yes, and if you do it all in a three-hour uh, stretch, then Again, you can even didn't more recommend that necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matthew, final final thoughts from you. I I agree with Ashley. This book is mean as a snake. Uh, if comic books on the whole were television, this would be your HBO prestige cable drama, uh, something in your The Wire or the Breaking Bad or the Westworld kind of genre vein, just in terms of its place in. Uh, comic book storytelling, it is very well done. It will depress the heck out of you. And I feel like it is a really, really high fidelity take on the neo-noir stuff of the 70s. I feel like it's really, really well done. It's referential without being too referential. I would say check it out first to make sure that it is to your taste because I, I feel like I liked it a lot. And I still have problems with things in it that I'm like, maybe I don't like that a whole lot. Sure. And I'm not entirely sure whether the don't likes and the liked it a lots are balancing to where I'm going to go pick up volume four of my own volition. Sure. Now, this is definitely R-rated, right? I mean, you're going to have oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, drugs, violence, sex, nudity, uh, as we've said earlier, racial slurs uh, being dropped, uh, you know, when when certain characters are on panel. Uh, so there is that kind of stuff that you have to watch out for. Uh, Ashley mentioned that if you're someone who enjoys Parker, you'll probably enjoy this. And I would agree. And I said, I agree, especially the, the Darwin cook uh, Parker series was, was brilliant, especially because of um, because of Darwin's art really helps carry that story forward. The, I think the biggest drawback to Parker is that, Parker is the hero, right? And he comes off as uh, murder, the revenge. Worst. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, kind of the worst. I mean, he kills, <laughs> he kills for revenge, right? Mm-hmm. And he never gets his comeuppance. Um, here, these characters feel very real in that eventually everybody's going to get what's coming to them based on their past past actions. You can't it's hide true. from your past actions. Whereas the short run of Parker books that we got from Darwin Cook, we didn't get that in Parker. Now, uh, I've read a couple of the Parker, Parker novels. There are, uh, I think, uh, the Darwin Cook comic book adaptations are, are pretty faithful to, to that. Uh, but uh, I, there's something about Criminal that I'm really enjoying now three volumes in because it's not capes and tights. 
And it's not capes and tights that has to be dirty and gritty, which we were talking about in the pre-show, where why do we have to make superheroes gritty? This is something that is giving you characters that you don't necessarily not like. These are not necessarily characters that you're going to emulate, which is what I also don't like in criminal books. Uh, not this particular criminal, but crime neo-noir books. I don't like the glorification of those characters. And I think what Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips do is they present a very realistic approach to people who are, eh, we can say complex, I suppose, but who also don't come out unscathed and who certainly don't come off as heroes or even superheroes. These are people that have long, tragic stories, and maybe there's something that can be learned uh, from all of this. Maybe most of it is don't be a dick and don't don't do crimes. Uh, but uh, I, I am enjoying this, and if you're someone who enjoys that kind of true crime, neo-noir vibe in your comics, and you don't necessarily uh, want to read Capes and Tights, then I'm going to say give Criminal a chance. This is definitely something that I would say check out from the library or borrow from a friend uh, and see if you enjoy it. And if you do, I, there's like seven volumes of this stuff. So there's plenty of criminal uh, on the way. I think that is where we're going to wrap it up this week. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Rodrigo, for being a part of the show this week. Rodrigo, next week, oh, huh? man, we are going to take Heck Boy and we're going to send him to Heck. Oh, no. It is a Heck Boy volume for all of you Heck fans. I know some people. And all have, you Bowdlerization. Yes. Fans all, well. all you H E double hockey stick boy fans are going to enjoy it as Hellboy Goes to Hell Volume 1 next week on the Major Spoilers Podcast. And thank you so much for being a part of the Major Spoilers experience. We certainly appreciate having you here each and every week. And we love your feedback. So use the comment section at Major Spoilers to tell us where we're right, where you think we're wrong, share your thoughts and your reactions to every episode. Or even better, you can send us an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. As I said, we will be back next week to talk Hellboy. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. podcast is copyright 2020 by major spoilers entertainment llc has the winter season taken a toll on your tile upholstery carpet call cyclone cleaners 570-726-6200 for all your carpet upholstery and ceramic tile cleaning needs it's cyclone cleaners also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.